His name is Lyle Presler, punk rock legend and music industry vet. His name is Jim Shear, most tenured DJ in the history of music television. It's the week in music with Lyle and Jim, and it all starts now. Hello there, everybody. My name is Jim Shear. And I'm Lyle Presler. And on today's episode, David Bowie becomes an emoji. Harry Shearer sues Spinal Tap. We find out that the Smiths almost reunited. A Tribe Called Quest will put out one more album. But before all of that, Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson are being sued over their Grammy-winning song, Uptown Funk. 1980s funk band Collage claimed that the song deliberately and clearly copies from their song, Young Girls. Let's go to the tape. So, Lyle, Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke lost. Led Zeppelin won. What happens with Bruno and Mark? First of all, the work that supposedly was infringed, in this case the collage song, had mm-hmm. to have had a legitimate copyright to begin with. And we assume it did because it was mm-hmm. on a record and it was out there. The second thing is, did the infringers, Bruno Mars, Mark Ronson et al., did they have access to the work? And then we move to, is there substantial similarity between the two works? Now, I would say that probably it would be logical to conclude that they did have some access. I mean, those guys are all funk aficionados in Mm -hmm. the same way I might be a punk aficionado. So so they probably knew about it. I think they loosely uh, put collage into that Minneapolis sound. Prince and the Time and all those people, mm-hmm. um, and and it, you can hear that in it. Um, I don't know. I've listened to the two things pretty closely, and I can hear what they're upset about. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with it is that there are certain conventions in funk that are pretty widespread, <laughs> and um, you know, you start off with that sort of four on the floor beat, and it's swinging, and then the guitar comes in and does a little counterpoint. Mm-hmm. And that does very much sound like it. And then the bass line comes in, and yeah, you can you can sort of hear it. Of course, then the songs go in very different directions, and and there's obviously more to Uptown Funk in terms of the various uh, parts of it. So I don't know. But the thing, the thing about this, Jim, is we've seen this all it depends on the jury. It depends on the jury. It depends on who's listening, how they come to listening to it. You know, a person like me would probably listen to it and go, yeah, I hear similarities, but again, it's just sort of what you do with funk. Um, Mm -hmm. In the same way, I mean, I can imagine that if I really wanted to, I probably could sue all sorts of hardcore bands. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I, I remember hearing something in like 2000 and going, didn't I write that already? You know? So, I mean, you could do that. And unfortunately, we have a situation here where obviously you have a huge hit. I mean, a huge hit. And mm-hmm. somebody hears it. And I'm, I'm sure that I think it was Larry White, who's the only remaining member alive from Collage, which is kind of strange because it was a fairly big band. Anyway, I'm sure he heard it and said, wow, you know, I wrote this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it could be, I'm sure it's, it's very unnerving, particularly if you weren't terribly successful and didn't make a lot of money doing it. And you're sitting there going, geez, you know, this guy, Bruno Mars comes along and all of a sudden he's, you know, a multimillionaire and flying on private jets and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here. So I get it, but I don't know that a jury is going to listen to it and conclude, especially when the defense is going to say, listen, we're going to, we can play, we're going to play you. 10 different things, and they all have similar elements. I want to be a, a juror on one of these cases. It would be fascinating. I had a, a medical malpractice trial. I want oh, one really? of these. Yeah. I feel like I could hold the room, too. I said, listen, guys, I've been listening to music for years. Let me tell you why they're guilty or not guilty. But my question for you, Lyle, is there a, uh, a 16th century composition <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like collages young girls. Well, you know, exactly. I mean, and 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 funk actually predates what most people think of as being funk. Most people say, "Oh, parliament, that's funk." Mm-hmm. But there's stuff before that, you know, and and there's you can tease out a lot of that stuff um through the magic of the internet. So if you really want to go and sort of research <laughs> the whole history of funk, you can go back and really look at it. And you can see how some of these uh, musical conventions came to be. Yeah, so we'll see how this plays out. Uh, on social media today, everyone's talking about Lil Wayne mm. and his Nightline interview. So basically, they, they went through his career. He did a, a one-on-one interview, and at the end of the interview, he was asked about Black Lives Matter. Wayne was obviously on some type of substance. I've interviewed Wayne. I've seen Wayne as a guest on ESPN's first take where he's very well spoken and deliberate in what he says. Mm. And basically he dismissed black lives matter. And then he walked out of the interview and he said, I'm no politician. Will this have any blowback or will the black community kind of dismiss it? Maybe like I just did saying, Oh, he's on something. He's, he's that's Lil Wayne. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think there'll be a lot of blowback. I think if you're Lil Wayne, I don't know. I mean, I think you can probably endure quite a bit of blowback. Um, but on the other hand, this his response, if, if forgetting, you know, whether he was, you know, inebriated or whatever, for, forget all that. But his response, unfortunately, is typical, not just of a, a musician who's made a lot of money, or a white person or a black person, it's typical of a person who who sort of feels removed from the whole process. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to feel removed from the process when you basically leave your house, step into a car, the car drives you someplace, you step out, go into something, you come back out, you get in the car, you drive it. I mean, it's the old, how much does a loaf of bread cost, little Wayne? Mm-hmm. Can you right. answer that question? And of course, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's fueled a lot of anger in this country is this, that, and, and all over the world, is this business of not just so much that there's haves and have-nots, because there's always been haves and have-nots, but the, the idea that the haves don't have any relation whatsoever to the have-nots. And I use mm-hmm. those terms very loosely, obviously, but... But it's sort of, you know, here's Lil Wayne saying, you know, I don't know anything about this. I don't really care about it. I don't pay attention to it. And and, you, and I can imagine a lot of people out there are saying, well, why not? I mean, you have the mm-hmm. luxury of time. Like, you, you're not actually being threatened. You're not actually being – you're not on the front lines. So why in the world can't you educate yourself a little bit as to what's going on and have an opinion? And as you know from our past discussions, Jim, I don't have any problem with these people having opinions. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a disqualifier just because you've been successful to say, right. I still have an opinion about what's going on for people who are not in my world, but I mm-hmm. still care about what's happening. I think that just show his responses show you that there's this wide gulf across ethnic lines, across everything, that there's a wide gulf between the people who sort of feel removed from the process and those who are sort of in the trenches, so to speak. So uh, we will see how that plays out. Now, speaking of lawsuits, this is kind of shocking. This when is I a read doozy. This. this is a doozy. The the number, I was waiting for a comma and zeros to follow the number, <sighs> but there was no comma or zeros. Harry Shear, who is known for doing voice work on The Simpsons, he's also an actor, uh, he played Derek Smalls in the 1984 mockumentary This is Spinal Tap, filed a lawsuit against the corporation Vivendi alleging accounting misappropriation, fraud, and breach of contract with regard to the movie This is Spinal Tap in its soundtrack. So get this. Shear contends that he's earned only $81 in merchandising income over a 22-year period and only $98 for his contributions to the soundtrack, he is seeking $125 million in damages. Wow. I read So first that. of all, what took so long? Well, my understanding of what I read was that it was one of these things where the, the, the ownership, if you will, of the copyright in This Is Spinal Tap has sort of moved a few times. Okay, so okay. It's, it's been bought. And so I think it's Vivendi and Canal One, um, uh, or Canal Two, or it's 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 one of the you know broadcast production facilities. They they kind of came to own this thing, and I think what happened was is that over the years, he asked for accountings and sort of got either fudged accountings or uh, lack of response, and there were there were things going on behind the scenes that we don't see. So when you say, why did it take so long? I think it took so long because I think there was always the hope that they were going to come clean. And, okay, that and, he was going to get it. Right, and, and that there was going to be some sort of uh, work done to go back and, and figure out what was owed. It's shocking, absolutely shocking. $98. I mean, that that is shocking. And, and I, again, I'm not in a position to assess... The merits of all this, because I, you know, I haven't seen the original contracts. I don't know what statements were made or what statements were rendered. Um, but if, if in fact we're t- we're talking about making less money than you know I make on a you know on a song that's on BMI uh, over the years, over that many years, that is truly, truly shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give my namesake his money. Yes, right. Because, yeah, throughout the years, a lot of people have asked me if I'm related to Harry Shearer. And ah. I said, yeah, he's my, he's my uncle, but he's right. actually not. Rich uncle, right? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of memoirs are coming out this year, including one from guitarist Johnny Marr. Mm. An excerpt from his memoir was recently published, one detailing the 2008 meetup between Marr and Morrissey, who discussed the possibility of getting the Smiths back together. And now apparently it was the first time that the two spoke in a decade. So here's how the story goes. In September of 2008, the two met for a drink. They talked about music. They talked about albums. And it was the elephant in the room. And they said, what about the Smiths getting back together? And they mm. said, eh, it, it might work. We, we should get a new drummer because I believe their original drummer has sued either one or both of them. Yes. And it got to the point where they were talking about logistics 
And then the two got caught up in their own musical projects and communication ended. And Mar doesn't think there'll be a reunion because everything has run its course. Mm. And then there was just a story that popped up last night where Mar doesn't like Morrissey's political affiliations. Mm. And that would. So basically, if you think of it in the United States, think of Mar as a Democrat Mm. and Morrissey as a Republican. Mm -hmm. So they have differing political views, and that would also prevent a Morrissey reunion. Hmm. Although I don't, you know, I mean. Or no, that would prevent a Smith's reunion. Right, yeah. Yeah, I I don't, I don't, but I think the one thing about that is that um, you're talking about Morrissey and politics. So Mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean? (laughs) It's like Scott Bayo in politics. (laughs) You know, oh, good. (laughs) Haven't heard from you in a while. Good. I'm glad to hear you. So what if, but what if like you wanted to get together with a band, Lyle, Mm. and you went on a band member's Facebook and there were all these Trump quotes? Yeah, that would be, that could be a problem. Yeah. Now, would that stop you from joining a band with someone? I don't, I don't know if it would stop me because I, I, th- I think it would sort of depend on on how I felt about the person in another way. But, you know, Pink Floyd, there was a problem there between Roger Waters and David Gilmour. Mm-hmm. Because David Gilmour's, um, I wouldn't say he's super right wing, but he's a very conservative guy. And Roger's obviously not. Um, so I could sort of see that. I uh I found the story amazing though, that in two thousand eight, because for years, I've said Guns and Roses and the Smiths will never get back together, and then Guns and Roses kind of for the most part got back together this year with Slash and Duff, mm-hmm. uh, but I I still hold on to the belief that the Smiths will never get back together. But I'm amazed that it was they were talking about logistics in two thousand eight. Yeah, and you know the the big trial was the real issue. I, I mean, I think you know Morrissey and Marr the the big the big moment of true falling out was the was the lawsuit brought by the other two mm-hmm. um, for for shares for shares in the band. And and I read Morrissey's account of it, and I have to say it was fairly compelling that you know his point was, listen, that was the deal. They knew the deal. It wasn't like it was hidden from them. They knew how much their share was going to be. Mm-hmm. And to wait all that time and then say, I'm not satisfied, is not acceptable. You can't yeah. you can't wait it out and then say, oh, you know what? I don't like this anymore. And it's human nature to do that, so I understand why they did it. But on the other hand, I kind of found his and, – and the problem he had with Marr was that Marr – he was expecting Marr to, def- to help him in the trial. And Mar mm-hmm. didn't help him. So et tu brute? Exactly. Too brute. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the line of the day. So yeah, I um so don't expect to see the Smiths perform at Coachella 2017. I, I love this story. It was recently announced that on November eleventh, a tribe called Quest will release their final studio album. Last year around this time, you might remember that they reunited for a performance on the Tonight Show, which happened on the same night of the Paris terror attacks. Q-Tip said, as we left 30 Rock, I felt the need, we all did, to get back to the studio and start that cook-up. So we got to it. It was coming together nicely. And as we all know, earlier this year, Fife Dog passed away from complications of diabetes. But Q-Tip added that he left us with the blueprint of what we had to do. Rappers Buster Rhymes and Consequence also lend rhyme to the album. And the day after their new album comes out, which still doesn't have a title yet, 
A Tribe Called Quest will perform on Saturday Night Live. That's cool. From reading the story, it's unclear if Fife Dog laid down any vocals. Mm. It, like it sounded, maybe he laid down some. Maybe some like guide for an entire yeah. album. Maybe some guide vocals, yeah. So as part of the new iOS update for iPhones, users will be able to use an emoji inspired by the cover of David Bowie's Aladdin Sane album. So does this mean in a couple weeks, Lyle, you'll text me some David Bowie emojis? No, because I have an iPhone 5. Um, and, as do I. And therefore, I will not be getting a software update for it, I don't believe. No, I just updated my really? iPhone. And I, there's an extra step in my life now. Oh. So when I go to, for the, the password screen, I have to hit the, the one button twice. Oh, you see, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I've somehow missed this. No, I wonder if th- does David Bowie's estate get any money for that no, emoji? No, no, because it's no. not. I mean, it, I, I don't think that the lightning bolt is copyrightable. Otherwise, they would have sued Harry Potter. So last week, when returning from a South American tour, Aerosmith found themselves on the same tarmac as Barack Obama and Air Force One, just outside of Orlando, Florida. When President Obama found out that Steven Tyler and Joe Perry were nearby, he invited them onto Air Force One. Pictures were posted on Twitter, and Tyler said he was flipped out. But uh-oh, shortly after, Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer said that the picture was not representative of Aerosmith, explaining that he doesn't want to be part of political banter. Now, I guess Joe Perry is a Republican, and he said that the counter was pretty amazing. So back to Johnny Marr and Morrissey. Some politics involved here. Yeah, I mean, I the, the, there's a couple things I have to say about this. First of all, sour grapes. It would be well. First of all, it, it's pretty amazing to meet the president and especially meet the president on Air Force One. Yeah. Now, I've I've never met the president on Air Force One. I did meet Bill Clinton, um, and uh, but I don't think it matters what you think of them. If I met George W. Bush or Richard Nixon, it would still be amazing. I mean, anyway, you met the, the president, the, a sitting president. Yeah, I mean, a sitting president, especially if you do it on their turf. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's. I think that's. It doesn't matter about your politics at that point. What I'd also say is that Joey Kramer, you know, shut up. It's like, <laughs> I mean, listen. Let's put it this way, okay? Aerosmith. It's not important for Aerosmith to have any credibility. Like, what credibility could he be seeking? Oh, yeah, we don't want to be associated with that. Like, are you kidding me? What, are you fearing a backlash? You know, are you going to go on one of your, you know, one of your mixtape tours where you sit there and you play to tapes in the South and they're not going to support you or something? I mean, come on. It's like, that's just ridiculous. I, I, I don't understand why people feel the need to do that stuff. But he he might have been upset that he wasn't invited. Ah, uh, maybe so. It could be anything. But you know what? At that point, you just keep your mouth shut. You just don't say anything. It's just. Yeah. I mean, this notion of like I'm I'm. Oh, listen. We don't want to be involved in any of that. Okay, fine. That that's fine. No one expects you to be. But you don't have to make a statement about it. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, Lila and I will talk about all the news that we missed out on during the last three weeks. So stay tuned. We're very lucky in the sense that we've got two visionaries in the band. You know, David right. and Nigel are both like uh, like poets, you know, like Shelley or Byron, people like that. The two totally distinct types of visionaries. It's like fire and ice, basically, you see. You know, 
I feel my role is to, in the band is to be kind of in the middle of that, kind of like lukewarm water. Hey everybody, Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on The Week in Music. I, I think the first week in music in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, you've been, you've been on the road and busy. Yeah. And uh, like, like I tell everyone, if this was a professional thing, like if we got paid for doing this on a weekly basis, we'd have a show every week. Well, yeah, and if you were out, I would replace you with Chris Christie. <laughs> but, you know, Jim, it's, it's, it's the listeners that I worry about, the listeners. Because I feel like we build up momentum, and then when, if we leave for a few weeks, then we lose all that momentum. Well, that's true, but we're back. On, we're it's we're back in the momentous phase. We're, we're, yeah, we're <laughs> back. So we, we might get we might get ten listens this week. All right, and, and we'll we'll build that up to twenty next week. So what I wanted to talk about is that while we were gone, the 2016 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations came out. Mm. So let me read them. But there's one in particular that I want to talk about. Okay. There's Bad Brains, Shaka Khan, Sheik, Depeche Mode. Electric Light Orchestra, Jay Giles Band, Jane's Addiction, Janet Jackson, Joan Baez, Joe Tex, Journey, Kraftwerk, MC5, Pearl Jam, Steppenwolf, The Cars, The Zombies, Tupac, and Yes. So the Bad Brains, Lyle, Mm. and we had a conversation about this before. Mm. If they get in, then there is hope. I, I think Black Flag has to get in too. But if Bad Brains and Black Flag get in, then I think Minor Threat gets in I, at some I, point. I've got to tell you, Jim, you've, you've said this to me several times, and I, I take real serious issue with that statement. Really? I do. I do not think that is important for the Bad Brains to get in and Black Flag to get in for us to get in. And, wow. And okay. I'll tell you why. And it's not because this is not in any way because I don't love those two bands. I do. And I think if if one or both got in and they were happy about it, I'd be happy for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not about that. It's just about the one thing that's been brought up about Bad Brains. And 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 by the way, for you guys out there, the watershed moment in my musical life was seeing them play for the first time in a in a person's house. And, and just being absolutely amazed by it and buying their first single and, 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 and listening to it 30 times in a row because I couldn't, couldn't fathom that anybody was doing what they were doing. But the one thing about Bad Brains is that for whatever reason, they suffer from the fact that no one really ever talks about them. And sometimes they don't even talk about them within the context of what they're known for, which was hardcore. Um, and they're... It's great that they're on the ballot, and remember this ballot is generated by a small group of people who are dedicated to the process, and now the ballot goes out to, I think it's 700-plus people from all walks of the music life who vote Mm -hmm. on it. Okay, so, but just because they're on this ballot does not necessarily mean anything. In the case of Black Flag, um, I think that Black Flag is a very polarizing band in many, many ways. I think they... They've suffered over the years by having had a lot of internal squabbles, but also because of the fact that they released a lot of records, many of which seem to have almost no point to them whatsoever. Um, as much as I, I love them in their earlier incarnations, I, I, I really could not understand what they did after that. But I don't think that ultimately these things are going to be judged as the same. 
A good example would be the, one of the bands that you mentioned on the list is MC5. Mm-hmm. You know, I love MC5, but the Stooges are already in, right? I mean, Iggy mm-hmm. Pop's already in. So the question becomes like, okay, so MC5 was part of the same scene in the same city, same area. You know, are you going to now go and start start saying, okay, let's do the Detroit sound, we're going to get all these bands? Are you going to go, oh, we do the hardcore thing and we're now going to get all these bands? So the, the notion that it opens a floodgate, I don't think is realistic because I don't think it does. In other words, Yes could get in and King Crimson might not. Even though you could argue it might should be the other way around. King Crimson should get in and then maybe Yes can get in and then maybe, you know, go on to go down the line of all the prog mm-hmm. bands. I don't think that's the way they think at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I don't think that necessarily is going to be the way it goes down. Um, so I don't think it's necessary for one group to get in to sort of open up something to get other groups in. I mean, I understand you're thinking on that, but I don't necessarily think that's right. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to think like they're thinking. Yeah, but I don't think they're thinking that way. I mean, I think that they're they're <laughs> I think they're looking at it in sort of more or less a vacuum, where they're saying, okay, you know, we all like this, so let's put this on, or we all think this is important, let's put it on. Um, and interestingly, so, well, my question for you is: when you saw the nominations hmm. and you saw Bad Brains, what did you think? I, I mean, I was I was not surprised um, because knowing some of the people who are on that committee, who I figured would probably want to try to get them on, um, I was you know I was and because they have been sort of everyone talks about them yeah they've been critical darlings I mean you know you get. You get us talking about them. You get Pearl Jam talking about them. You get so-and-so to talking about them. And everyone sort of talks about well, it. Well, another question I have, Lyle, mm-hmm. is when you find out that nominations are coming out, do you ever think, what if? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've, we've had discussions about what if. I mean, and, and my feeling about the whole thing is very ambivalent because while it would be great to be nominated for something like that, even if you don't, just you know even if you don't make it all the way through it'd be great to be nominated and recognized i i know for a fact that our name has been brought up in mm-hmm. meetings uh i don't know any more than that as it's, well it should be it's been brought up but it's been brought up i say one person and that one person brings it up and probably the whole room falls asleep you know um i don't know for sure but but i would say that uh when i saw it i wasn't terribly surprised um but let's look at Sheik. Sheik's been on the ballot now how many times? Six times? Right. So, you know, you can Depeche be on a ballot. Mode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I think I think Depeche, I think this is the first go-around for Depeche Mode, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think it is. I think this is the first wow. go-around for them. But if That's you go surprising. To, but interestingly enough, if you go down this list, <clears throat> I mean, I would tell you that if we're handicapping this thing, which I'm sure you want to do, um, I would say Tupac is going to get in. Um, I'd say Pearl Jam is going to get in. Those are the two that I think are the the sort of slam dunks, okay? Um, and and I, I want to remind everyone that only five to seven will get in exactly. out of this whole list that I read. Exactly. Um, Janet, I I actually think that Janet Jackson should be in. Um, sure. I think she's hurt by Michael in a way because it was sort of second fiddle. But if you think about like Rhythm Nation and that whole thing, she really broke through, especially as a female performer, she sort of broke through into that, that world. And, and I think that that's a, that's a good one. But Shaka Khan's been on the list many times. Electric Light Orchestra has been on the list many times. Um, The one that stands out that I just think is, is ludicrous 
with all due respect, is Jay Giles' band. I, I, okay. I do not understand how you could even consider putting Jay Giles' band in and say not Steppenwolf. Okay. You know what I mean? See, I, 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 mean I thought Jane's Addiction was a little shot. I was like, really? Jane's Addiction? Like, I get it, but I don't get it. Well, you know, and the other thing you have to remember in these kinds of things is it also has to do a little bit with how the actual members of the band have infiltrated their way. I mean, that's a that's sort of, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but sort of become part of the wider group of choosers. If you, you well, know. if you want to put Perry Farrell in, I get that. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think they would put Perry in without Jane's Addiction. I just don't think okay. they'd do that because his solo career hasn't been anything to talk about, right? But, I, I mean, do they, maybe I'm not familiar with it enough, but do they put in personalities or they put in behind the scenes people, right? Like producers have gotten they in. They do, they do. They so do, as a they concert organizer, that. like doing Lollapalooza. Right. Well, they, and then I, he could very well get in on the basis of that. Even if James never gets in, right. he could get right. in That's for that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, I mean, there's there's some interesting names that, really major names that have been left off <clears throat> in the past because they didn't fit necessarily into certain categories. For instance, if you think of Chic, well... We now think a lot of Nile Rodgers, right? So mm-hmm. Nile Rodgers could sort of get in on his own as a producer, right. as a member right. of the band, without necessarily putting the band in. Um, I think um, possibly Journey will get in. Um, that's a possibility. And mm-hmm. then, and then you 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 got to ask yourself about bands like Yes, because I think th- I know for a fact there are certain there's a couple people on the committee who are. <laughs> have been pushing for yes for years. <laughs> I don't know how. I think I know that. Yeah, Are you thinking of one person. I'm in particular? thinking of one person in particular. But <laughs> but but and 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 I don't I don't have an opinion. I mean I'm not a yes fan, but I don't have an opinion either way really about that. Um, I, I think that if you're going to be sort of completist about rock and roll, which we all know this isn't really about rock and roll, but if you're completist about it, then you know yes or the prog band some they deserve their day as well. Um, but I would say that the wider voting audience probably is, if they were yes fans, are probably embarrassed to say so. There's been a sort of, (laughs) there's been a pall cast upon that period of music, largely because a lot of those guys were very pretentious. And they Mm -hmm. sort of said, you know, it's not enough for us to be a rock band. We've got to prove that we can play classical music. And, you know, it was that period where in the 70s where they were all looking for validation as musicians as opposed to thinking about the music they were making and not really worrying about whether or not, you know, your guitar solo contained enough proper arpeggios. Um, So that's an interesting one. Electric Light Orchestra, I love ELO, but I have a hard time thinking that they're very important. Um, I mean, Jeff Lynne himself has said that he invented the band because he couldn't be in the Beatles. So, you know, it's it's like, that's a weird one. You know, you take something like Joan Baez, I mean, there's no question of her impact on on folk rock music, but is she too far attenuated from this process nowadays, you know, in 2016? Perhaps. Right. Craftwork is one that I think if you really want to say, hey, let's let's pick out an influential and important part of music... You put them in. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, I can't find 100 people who could name a song. Right. And that's the other thing, by the way, going back to Bad Brains, that really is a problem. <clears throat> Bad Brains don't have any songs. Yeah, I um, 
like growing up, I heard a lot about Bad Brains and Black Flag and Minor Threat. So then when it came time to actually listen to their music, out of those three, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in front of me, Minor Threat was my favorite. And then I remember going through Bad Brains albums and I'm like, well, what's like, what's so awesome about this? Like, I, I get like everyone who talks about Bad Brains talks about their live show. Right. And I, I never find myself listening to Bad Brains albums. Right. Because it was really a performance, and it was, and that's why they were considered by many people to be one of the one of the greatest live bands that ever that this country ever produced. But mm-hmm. the problem is, you had to have seen it, you had to have experienced it. And Bad Brains, I mean, I mean, I know the songs, but I don't know. I know a lot of people who like them, and if I said, "Can you name me ten songs?" they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a problem, and that's a problem of like sound. Yeah. So versus we'll see songs. if the bad brains get in. Uh, Quest Love recently twi- tweeted a picture of his ballad, and he had one name filled out or one name checked in, and it was Bad Brains. Absolutely. So Lyle, um, apparently the old desert trip experience, which happened earlier last month, was a success. Hmm. The Rolling Stones covered the Beatles. Paul McCartney covered the Stones, while well, a song that he and Lennon gave to the Stones. Neil Young and Paul McCartney jammed out together. Roger Waters got to get political in an election year. And there's talk of Desert Trip 2 with the speculated lineup, speculated lineup of Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, and Fleetwood Mac. Should we have gone? uh, I don't know. So they're going to call that uh, Desert Trip 2 Electric Boogaloo? (laughs) <laughs> um should we have gone no i think i could be content with the youtube clips personally okay yeah 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 i, yeah, I read a, a rolling stone story and i thought okay well at least everyone had fun well they had fun and i also think that you know it's what's interesting is like oh you know the beatles covered the stones the stones covered the beatles it's like people always bought into that idea of the beatles and the stones being these adversaries Mm-hmm. And in fact, that wasn't even close to being the truth. I mean, right. it wasn't even remotely so. Yeah, I read a story where it talked about Bob Dylan's set, mm. and someone thought it was very confusing, while a record producer said it was one of the greatest sets he's ever performed. Huh. And I thought, really? Like, this deep into his career? So, yeah, but uh, apparently everyone had a good time. It at seems Desert so, and, and actually, the median age was lower than people thought, right? Because yeah, there were there were a lot of young people there. Well, they said the median age was only like thirty seven. Wow, which is far lower than you would have expected. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, well, I think a lot of that was like, wow, like I can check all of these guys off my bucket list. Exactly, now and also people like weekend. to go to festivals. So, yeah. So, in sad news, guitarist of the Afghan Wigs, Dave Rosser, has been diagnosed with inoperable colon cancer. So next month, the band will be playing two benefit concerts to raise money for medical benefits for Dave. Uh, The first will be held December 10th in New Orleans with performances from Afghan Wigs, of course. Uh, Support from Mark Lanigan and Ani DeFranco. And then the second will be held in uh, Los Angeles, December 14th, with support from Mark Lanigan again. Moby and Karina Round. Mm, that's sad. I, I almost wish that Afghan wigs were a bigger band so they could pull in more money. Yeah, you know? I, I do too. I do too. And I and I really liked a lot of what they did. I really did. I, I it was one of my favorite songs from that whole period of what we call alternative rock was "Turn on the Water." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I still play that occasionally and go, yeah, I know why I like this. This is really cool. But I love that Mark Lanigan's going to be there. Yeah, I think that's of a good 90s thing. 90s yeah. rock, he's one of the, the pillars of 90s rock. Absolutely. Now, Lyle, before you go to birthdays, 
Do you know who celebrated their 50th birthday this week? A lot of people did, but tell me. October 31st, that is my date of birth. I went to the party and I did the Smurf Ad-Rock. Ad-Rock. Ad-Rock turned 50 years old. Uh, I saw some pictures on Instagram. His buddy, Say Adams, who is one of my favorite artists of all time, he created these cool wristbands that said Ad-Rock 50. And Mike D and Spike Jones showed up to his party in New York City. Well, yeah, that that does that's great, but it does raise an issue. Like I'm I'm I know people and I think you know them too, who um you'd be invited to this gala birthday bash where the person's turning thirty seven. <laughs> and you'd be like, What? Like but I think fifty is a significant birthday. Yes. Although I know people, including me. Now when I turned fifty, uh oh, did I say that? When I turned fifty, my wife was like, Okay, you know, I know you're not really into the birthday thing, but we could do something. We could we could rent a room. We could get people, and I just said no. I, I it's not it's not that big a deal to me, and and I don't see people beating down my door wanting to come to a party. But you know, if you're ad rock, I guess it's a little bit different. You got a lot of people out there. They're probably all really excited. So good for him. Yeah, so sorry to jump your birthday parade. Oh right no, there, no, that's great. Actually, happy birthday to Ad Rock. Happy birthday. It's a little bit it's a little slow uh today. So let me just go through the list here. We got Carter Beaufort, who plays drums in Dave Matthews and was one of the founding members. Mm-hmm. Carter is actually fifty nine. Okay. Um, so he'll he'll have a biggie next year. Yeah, absolutely. And we can maybe, you know, go to that gala. Down there, maybe in Charleston. <laughs> go to Char- Let's go to Charleston and, and do a birthday down there or, or somewhere yeah. in the south. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Katie Lang. Uh, most of you would know her from the song Constant Craving. Katie Lang is 55. Jim Heath, otherwise known as the Reverend Horton Heat, mm-hmm. uh, is 57. Uh, Bobby Dahl, the bass player for Poison, is 53. And Chris Walla, who plays guitar for Death Cab for Cutie, is 41. Yes, and I think Chris Walla assumed the old reciprocal recording studios in Seattle, and that's where Nirvana recorded Bleach. Ah, interesting. I know he's a studio guy, definitely. So I think he was the one that saved it. Oh, good for him. Because I think with a lot of those old studios, they're like, well... We're not making any money. Oh, We're just going to yeah. knock it down and turn it into a coffee shop. Exactly. And, I mean, it's usually valuable real estate. And also there's a lot of equipment in there that can be sold off. So, Lyle, we were gone for three weeks, but guess what? The number one single <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100 is still closer from the Chainsmokers and Halsey for an 11th week. My goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the number one album on the Billboard 200, Joanne from Lady Gaga. The number one song on iTunes, Closer, from the Chainsmokers and Halsey. The number one album on iTunes, Cosmic Hallelujah, from Kenny Chesney. And the number one song on Spotify this week, Starboy, from The Weeknd, featuring Daft Punk. And speaking of country music, tonight, the 50th anniversary of the CMA Awards are happening, hosted by Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood. And if you're interested... The nominated entertainers of the year include Garth Brooks, Carrie Underwood, Luke Bryan, Keith Urban, and Chris Stapleton. And by the way, I would give a plug for watching the CMAs because the CMAs traditionally have done these things right. 
Mm-hmm. They have lots of performances. You've heard of these people. You may have never heard what they sound like. It's actually a really good sh- It's been a really good show. And it always amazes me that Carrie Underwood hosts the show because she is not a charismatic person in real life. No. <laughs> so it amazes me when I see her perform and host these shows. I'm like, wow, she's like a wet napkin in real life. But somehow when, when the lights are on, she turns it on. So uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, it is time for Lyle and I's Music Picks of the Week. It's, it's, a, it's a word that is not really used that much in these days, but I think it really suits me, as well as these guys. It's macho. It's a macho that we have. And how do they used to say it in the, in, um, the kids used to say, mucho macho. Right. I love sports. I love athletes. I love being a man, but sometimes I love men, too. Is eyes a word? Eyes apostrophe S? Yes. I don't know. Eyes. <laughs> we are back on the Week in Music. Jim Shear with Lyle Presler. We haven't done this for three weeks, so it, it, it felt good to scroll my feed and pick a song. There you go. So this week, uh, because, Lyle, this is the last show we do until we have a new president-elect. That's true. So next week at this time... I may not do the show next week at this time. (laughs) (laughs) I may be in bed. (laughs) My pick of the week is Generation Z from No Effects off their latest album, First Ditch Effort. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I had hope for humanity, and I've become kind of hopeless in my 40s. And uh, this song echoes my, uh, my lack of hope in humanity. So here it is, Generation Z from No Effects. I think that our kids will probably see the end of humanity as we know it. Because this world's about to blow it. Will they see what they saw in ancient Rome? The destruction of the home. Will they see the end of civility? Because when morality's been blurred, procreation seems absurd. And human rights and freedom are just words that have lost all their meaning in a world that is bleeding like an animal in slaughter. I hope that my daughters never know what it feels like to give up, to know the whole world is corrupt, to realize they are Driven, and everyone is still living knows that 
There it is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, not you know, Generation Y, Fat not Generation Mi- X, Generation Z. Fat Mike keeps powering on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, see, I think it's, not, a, it, it, you know, it's it's sort of a it's sort of a, a fairly you know in the pocket no effects song. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I you know I've I've always kind of had a you know kind of a soft spot for those guys, and I think his lyrics have often been um, pretty insightful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little hit or miss, but but you know, like everything is. But yeah, I was talking about Carrie Underwood being a wet napkin, and then she turns it on, you know, when the spotlight's bright. Mm-hmm. So, Fat Mike, in interviews and during stage banter, you never think of him as sort of a a well thought out, well spoken person. But if you listen to some No Effect songs, mm-hmm. the guy's really smart. Like he's he's thinking deep about stuff. Oh yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely, and um, and he's had his trials and tribulations. So, mm-hmm. yep. and yeah, I, I wouldn't fancy myself as a No Effects fan, but I, when they release a new album, I'll listen to it, and there will be a, a song or two that I cling to, and this was one of them. Yeah, good one. Yeah. So, uh, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is the song Wi-Fi be by D R A M, featuring Erica Badu. Ah, yeah, this is a... Okay, well, let's play it, because I have a Mm -hmm. couple questions about this song and why you picked it. So Wi-Fi from D-R-A-M, not to be confused with D-N-C-E, featuring Erica Badu. Put your phone down, please don't check it Mama 
attached, no strings attached, we're still connected, we're still connected, no strings attached, no strings attached, we're still connected, we're still connected, no strings attached, no strings Okay, so my, my question is, where, where did you hear this song? How did it become your pick of the week? Were you cruising in your car? Were you in the hot tub? Were you in the champagne room? No, it's actually interesting. A friend of mine who, um, we, we sort of shared a real fascination with Outkast. And, okay. and so uh, he sent me, you know, he said, oh, have you, you know, he, he just said, have you checked it out? It's sort of like if Andre 3000 made, you know, you know, kept going or, you know, morphed a little bit. Um, but but that wasn't I mean, I know about him. So I wasn't like that. It was any great surprise to me. But um, but what I liked about it was the fact that it seemed lyrically to express sort of a modern reality about the way people behave. You know, and I've actually had people almost come into my house. I remember I had one house guest who came in, and and they said, you know, so you, you know, I, I said, well, guest bedroom, you know, it's right here for you. Like we have a guest bedroom. We've had three people sleep in there in eight years, you know, um, <laughs> and it wasn't me. Okay, just to be clear. <laughs> so um, and 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 the, the first thing she said was like, you guys have Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> and I was thinking, like, what is this? A hotel? You know? I <laughs> what's mean, your password? What's your password? Yeah, what's the Come password? On. Can you have a, and so I got to—I actually got to the point where I actually print, like, almost like I'm running a bed and breakfast. I actually printed it out. And I was thinking—I <laughs> was thinking about laminating it. You know? I mean, like, you know, I was going to go that, just because it would be funny to laminate it. You know, and have it sitting on a, a table. But uh-huh. but I kind of I just like I like the lyric. It made me you know it's like we've talked about this before. It's like if you if I listen to a song and it kind of makes me kind of smirk or smile, mm-hmm. then I kind of dig it. And I and I, and I love Erica Badu. So that mm-hmm. was another thing. I mean I just I love her voice and and but I just love the back and forth between the two of them over something that is so incredibly mundane. It'd be sort of like in the old days, like walking in and going like, um, okay, you got a telephone, right? You know, you do have a telephone because I'm going to need a telephone. <laughs> and you're thinking like, wait a minute, you're trying to sort of seduce this woman and it's, you know, and you're worried about the Wi-Fi. So that's why that's why I kind of gravitated towards it. And, I, and when I did finally listen to it, I just sort of thought, yeah, this is this is an interesting take on the reality of the modern world. Yeah, it's got a very sleazy and lazy vibe yes, to it. Very lazy, yeah. very sleazy. Wi-Fi from D-R-A-M featuring Erica Badu. And those were our music picks of the week. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, it is time to play Ask Lyle.
All right. Time to play Ask Lyle. Ask Lyle. And there's only one question today. And even if you don't have an opinion on it, you still have to make a pick. Tonight is Game 7 of the World Series. Chicago Cubs and Cleveland Indians. Two perennial losers. Lyle, who you got in Game 7? I got the Cubs. Wow. I got the Cubs because I think that I think that there's a certain psychology uh, that goes along with these things. I mean, not to mention the facts that the teams are, are fairly evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from from the specific that the Cubs, strangely enough, as a National League team, are actually benefiting from the DH rule in the yes. American League. And as the final game is being played in Cleveland, they're going to take advantage of that, which is it's weird because, you know, if you follow baseball, there's all these people who are like, oh, no, we can't have the it's pure as The National League is a pure league. It's the way baseball is supposed to be played. You have the American League that has now had the DH for many more years than people remember. I mean, it's been years now. Mm-hmm. But there's really never been a time where a National League team has been able to take advantage of the DH rule to the extent that the Cubs have. But I think the psychology of this is the following. <clears throat> you go up three games to one, and the next two games are in your own, you know, your own stadium. There's sort of a natural thing of sitting there and saying, well, listen. I mean, come on. We only have to win one out of two, and it's over. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Well, it's not even that, right? No, you, you had to win. Oh, well, yeah. You had to win three. All you had to do was win three. No, you had to win one out of the next three, right? So, yes, I'm getting, yes, for I, the Indians. Obviously, yes. I need to be a mathematician here, but yeah. Uh, but so you had to win one out of three. So your psychology says, like, don't worry, don't worry. It's fine. The problem is, then it goes three two. Then it goes three three. Yeah. Oh. And it doesn't, doesn't just go three three. It's not even close. Okay, so yeah, now you look at ton- tips, man. Yeah, now you look at tonight and you say, "All right, first of all, everybody's on deck. I mean, there's no, you know, you pitched before, you pitched, you know, through eighty pitches. Everyone's there." But I think the psychology of it, the team that will be tense will be the Indians. The team that will be loose will be the Cubs. Because okay, remember yeah. the other thing everyone talks about. Well, they haven't won, you know, in a hundred years. But those players don't care about that. They don't care. I mean, like, it has nothing. I mean, they may say, like, yeah, it's it's great to be a part of a potential winner after all these years, but they were not born. They don't mm-hmm. even know any of the players from back then. <clears throat> They're just focused on what's happening now. And the, I think the edge in psychology and momentum goes to the Cubs. Okay. Because they, so you heard it here first. Because it would be Lyle a massive. Presler. It would be a massive collapse for the Indians, but it won't be necessarily a massive collapse for the Cubs because they attended Northwestern. That's right. Yeah. So are you pulling for your your no your Midwest ties? No. No. no, no. Just, I, I, all right. I mean, I think I think the Cubs have a wonderful tradition, and I think it's great. Did you catch that Billy Corgan came out and said that? Um, yes. Some of these celebrity Cubs fans weren't real fans. Yes. <laughs> He, you know, every once in a while, he's just got to figure out a way to put himself back in the whole thing, right? <laughs> I mean, he's just he just can't help it. He's sitting there going, "God damn it, Eddie Vedder!" Jealous that who the hell Eddie is Eddie Vedder? Vedder? And, yeah, because Eddie Vedder and Bill Murray are getting all of the celebrity press. <laughs> yeah, so Billy Corrigan, he got a he got a headline this week. Exactly. All right, so I I'm pulling for the Indians. My whole family's from Cleveland. Okay. My 89-year-old grandmother has listened to every game this year on the radio. Oh, my. 
Yeah. And I, I felt bad because I called my dad a couple nights ago when the Indians were up 3-1. to one. They were winning one nothing in the game. And my dad said, nah, they're not going to win. And I, I think whatever it was, his bad mojo, during the time we talked on the phone, the Cubs scored three runs and they ended up winning the game 3-2. to two. Right. Yeah, so... Well, I will say one thing. I do have enormous respect for the Indians and Terry Francona. Terry Francona. And, I mean, I, that guy, I think that you would be blessed in life to know 10 people like him, or even three, because mm-hmm. he seems just like the the greatest dude. And 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 I, I... So there was a part of me that was sitting there going, like, I really want to pull for these guys, because I, I also wanted to see Terry Francona win two World Series with two different teams. Yeah, but doesn't Joe Madden seem like a cool dude, too? He seems like a cool dude, but he also seems like a dude that would be sort of... You know, if you if you didn't if you didn't say the right thing or appeal to his vibe, he might just sort of shut you out. <laughs> you know, whereas Terry would be Terry would sort of humor you, like you're an idiot, you're an idiot, but that's okay. You're an idiot, but you seem okay. You know, whereas Ma- Madden seems like a guy who would be like, "Are you kidding me? Y- y- you would have thrown a curveball on you know a three two with." Two outs in the seventh. Like he would just sort of look down at you. No, no. I think they're they. I think they're, I love it. I think they're both good guys, and I actually think this is great for baseball. This has been a great series for baseball. You know, mm-hmm. football's faltering a little bit. Maybe I think baseball. This has been a wonderful thing for them, and to have yep. the kind of star power too. I mean, I saw Bill Murray do his. You know, take me out to the ball game. It was awesome. You know, it really it really makes it seem. And and also these are two old franchises with yes, a lot of history classic. to them. Yeah. And it's good. It's really good. Yeah, and amazingly, the World Series outrated the NFL game on Sunday night. I know. Which, which is was, unheard of. But you know, the NFL's having a lot of problems because they got too much product out there in the market. And I gotta tell you I that I, I mean I I mean I've lost some interest anyway over the years. I have trouble even watching one game, but to sit there for that many hours on a Sunday night I mean, on a Sunday and watch, you know, 14 hours of football. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so uh, we'll see who's right next week. All right. Lyle for the Cubs or me for the Cleveland Indians. So until next time, for Lyle Presler, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building.